1: Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast, Euros Edition, Uh, I'm Paul, pausing in my pants, uh, filling in today. Uh, I'm the obvious man for the job today because I'm available. And also I like the Euros and I watched both games. Uh, With me today, as always, is Phil Costa. Hi, Phil. Hey, man. How's it going? Good. Uh, Phil brings the expertise and I bring me. So um, (laughs) a couple of games today couple of games yesterday that uh, we didn't get to get into because we didn't have phil but we're going to mainly focus on the games today phil and i had a big blow up beforehand arguing over which game we would do first he won he wanted to talk about the import of the second fixture today so we're going to talk belgium Por- uh, portugal um so uh yeah this was a game um it, it actually got ding dong so um uh, really livened up there towards the end as the game build built. But it asks the question, did Portugal start too conservatively do a little too late, s- start bringing on the attacking guns? Um, and did they get it right? Apparently not. Um, I don't know how you feel, Phil, about players and stuff, but I hate Pepe. And so if he's sad, I'm happy. And... <sighs> I have a mixed relationship with Ronaldo. If you've got um, Roy Keane crying his eyes out practically because the world's greatest player according, still living, still playing is Ronaldo and it breaks his Man United heart for reasons I don't really understand, then that's a good thing too. But uh, let's get into the, the setup, the lineup here, in terms of how both coaches approach this. Um who got it right and who got it wrong, do you think, from the from the off, from the first half?
2: I mean, I'm not sure it's that simple. I mean, Belgium kind of stuck with what they've been doing for the last, you know, however many years under Roberto Martinez. So we kind of knew that they were going to go for that three at the back. It's a very experienced three at the back, um, but it seems to have served them well so far. Um, Portugal, for me conservatism has been a running theme throughout the tournament and it it's not really a surprise because Fernando Santos has been in the job long enough um so we kind of know what he's about what he does but yeah again I just you know you could see the difference for me when as you mentioned Jao Felix came on um even Andre Silva just to give them a little bit of something extra up front so I think maybe he could look on his his starting lineup with a hinge of, of of regret, but I don't think it was as bad as him starting Danilo Pereira and William Carvalho in some of the earlier games.
1: Yeah, but I mean, he definitely made a choice in not bringing on Fernandez. You know, you could build this as De Bruyne versus Fernandez, Fernandez in some sense, um, and as we got into the second half, like you could see a scenario where it makes sense for Portugal to keep it tight and then bring on Fernandes later on, um, which is actually how it played out. But by then, De Bruyne wasn't on the pitch anymore. Um, mm. And Port- Portugal were chasing the game. Um, so there's... What would I say? Um, did Was Portugal's reactivity... Of course, they wanted to play on the counter. In the first half, you could argue they had some of the better chances. Um, but at the same time, they the chances either came from a full-on counter or kind of set-piece kinds of plays. Did you feel the first half was playing out the way they really wanted it to, or are they still overly reactive compared to what they could or should have been doing?
2: I think it was a very cagey first half, like you said, I mean, Diogo Jota had a good chance that he kind of shanked wide and then Ronaldo had a a decent free kick saved by Courtois, but there wasn't really anything sort of clear-cut and like you said, it kind of felt like they were looking to play on the break a bit, um, particularly with Jota down the left. So for me, Portugal have the ability to be able to build through central areas and they just haven't done it enough. Um, I know Bruno Fernandes has been in and out of the side, but he completely stunk the place out when he came on today. Um, (laughs) There was one shot in the 91st minute or whatever it was, and I just looked at the screen and I said, if that was an Arsenal player, I would have thrown something at the wall because it was just beyond stupid to shoot in that scenario, and he just ballooned it into Rose Ed. So for me, I don't think it's a Bruno Fernandes question. I just think... Get some players on the pitch who like to have the ball at their feet. Joao Felix, you know, Pedro Goncalves is another interesting goal-scoring midfield option. I don't know, I just feel like they underutilised a lot of the talent in their squad and that was a shame because in terms of overall talent and depth, for me they were one of the top three sides in the tournament and they just kind of watched it go by in that second half.
1: I tell you what's a head scratcher for me is that even with the team they put out in the first half. I mean, look at their like Polina. Okay, he's a DM. He's a he's a he's a big lump who's going to keep you safe at the back. But you got Moutinho, who's an on the ball uh, player, a possession Mm -hmm. player, a creative player. You got Sanchez, who's beginning to fulfill, the, I mean, they're starting to talk about him being worth 70, 80, 90 million, you know, he's he was the guy who lit it up in the midfield at times, and, and was, actually was the kind of personification of the counter you got Silva, Ronaldo, and Jota, those are those are their front six, those, that is not a team that needs to sit back and counter, but it sit back sits back and counter I, I mean, there's a halfway house, but it seemed like they were in the quarterway house and you look at uh, Belgium and yeah they had Tielemans in the midfield but this was not a game in which I thought Tielemans particularly Sean he was just a midfielder. Uh Witzel was just a midfielder. So like Belgium were using the wings and the wing back approach. I don't really get Portugal in the first half. Given that given that level of talent um, I just find it them overly reactive, overly prog- pragmatic. I mean, am I wrong? Like the the centre there, no, no. like mm-hmm. they don't even need to bring on the names we talked about bringing on in the second half to jazz things up. Like they got it's just pragmatism using skilled, dangerous players, and I'm like, yeah, okay, it makes for a really dangerous counter. But uh, And it all comes down to narrative or post-hoc analysis, right? They they get one of those countering goals or they get one of those chances later in the second half and they're geniuses. But um, when you don't, it looks like you tried to be too pragmatic, maybe too clever.
2: No, I mean, look, it's what you said. We've seen the counter-attack work for them. They scored that brilliant goal against Germany um, to open the score in before they got smashed afterwards and they gave france a lot of trouble on the break as well so we know they can do it but i just feel like they shouldn't just be limiting themselves to that kind of playing style because as we mentioned they have more than enough technical quality to be able to sort of sustain some pressure and we i mean we saw it in the second half uh belgium could could hardly get out of their their own third most of the time but it, it just lacked a little bit of something and I know they had some some chances with Andre Silva, Rafael Guerrero hit the post and that could have gone anywhere, you know, so in some sense, maybe one eye will look at it as they were unlucky but another will be, you know, they just didn't do enough and for me, I kind of lean towards the latter because I know they had, what, 25 shots today but they only had four on target and that's just not good enough, really. Um, I felt like a lot of like you said their talent was being under underutilized and and for me that's pretty criminal compared to you know who they've actually got on the pitch and I thought on the other hand Belgium were were not so amazing I've seen no. them perform much better in this in this competition but when they did have their moments I thought they looked threatening and for me the two the two hazards on the left were basically their game changers today
1: yeah Um, uh, and certainly uh, Torgren he uh, he connected the laces with the ball on that shot now it did come from the the Lukaku knockdown so Mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, credit to Pepe who I despise as a human being but as a competitor he's quite impressive Um, and uh, rolling back the years defying his age i mean he really manhandled lukaku but you can only you can only get away with that for so long against somebody like a lukaku who's you know eventually the big guy is going to roll you or anyway he created the space for himself in this and knocks it down to uh hazard if i remember the playwright and hazard just hits it through the, i think there was a var check to make sure it was the right hazard but he absolutely mm-hmm. laced it um I guess my question, uh, do you think the keeper could have done better? I think that's, I think it's like, it moved so much. And yeah, I mean, I think in that position,
2: I'm just willing to give credit to the, yeah to the striker. Um, it's you been know, like panel
1: reviews, it. right? Or, or, or whatever, like slow motion changes uh, your ability to judge. I mean, yeah, when yeah, I first saw absolutely. it, I'm like, holy, like everybody went woof, right? It wasn't yeah. just that it moved. Uh, in fact most people couldn't see it moved when they said woof on uh, i don't know i think it was tom warville or somebody said woof on twitter and you're like okay that's just power um and then you see the movement with power and you're like jesus who'd be a keeper oh yeah like you shouldn't it's a bit like getting beat on the near post you kind of can't win You, you can't get beaten on the near post the p or the The keeper should have got his hands to that. I'm like, okay, maybe, but Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just sometimes you just connect and the ball moves and yowzer. That was a yowzer. Um, It was
2: a a great goal. Really enjoyed it, actually. So so fair play to him.
1: Yeah. And then the other Hazard, I mean, I got a question. Like If Belgium are missing Hazard and De Bruyne, like they'll really be missing De Bruyne, but does missing Eden Hazard at the moment put them out that much? Does it solve a problem in the way in in the way you can't drop Ronaldo, if you wanted to or not? You probably don't. Uh, not a problem going forward. Um, like you liked Hazard in this game, and he certainly seemed to be coming back into it. But I guess I don't feel it's going to be that massive a lot. I don't know how how much of a factor they'll be against Italy. Uh, based on this performance maybe they'll just have to be have to do more against Italy than they felt they were going to have to against a reactive Portugal but how big a miss do you think Eden Hazard is going to be
2: no I mean for me he he looked the sharpest he's looked in a long time today I thought he looked trimmer I thought he was moving across the ground much quicker I mean uh, he was this, also uh, moving
1: to the ground much quicker. There was uh, well. <laughs> once or twice they breathed on him, and he was on the floor rolling around, like back to his prime. So, yeah, I know. I think you're. Yeah. I think you're right that he was it a performance in which he felt like he was back more than he got a, Had the chance to truly influence the game. I guess that's this me scrambling to to make a point that he's not that he. Didn't hugely change the game here, but but maybe it looked like he he was ready to.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, we need to remember that he was out for, you know, a long time at, at the end of the season, so it's natural that he's he may be lacking a bit of sharpness. Yeah. Um, but just a general eye test today, um, sort of gave me a bit more confidence in him being back into, you know, maybe not the shape that we remember, but. Um, Who knows if he can ever get to that stage again. But for me to just today, he looked a lot smoother, a lot quicker on the ball. Like you said, there were a a touch of theatrics, but, you know, uh, that happens in every game now. So I'm not overly fussed about that. I was just happy to kind of see him taking on players again and, you know, looking more like his his normal self.
1: Yeah. Look, it's only a great Batman movie if there are great villains and, and we all pick our own villains um, Hazard does wind me up a little bit. Ronaldo and Pepe and their ilk uh, send semi, my semi blood pl- pressure through the roof. All the, like, flapping over, oh, my God, Ronaldo's going to take a free kick. And it's like, you know, wi- women grab their children and run for cover. And it's like, it's another yeah. Ronaldo free kick. But um, uh, I get, so I guess the other thing I'm interested in is this North London Derby uh, commemorative back three that Belgium have uh, with Vertonghen, Vermaelen in the middle and Alder Verald. I mean, uh, as long as you don't get them running back too quickly um, uh, and as long as Vermaelen doesn't get his statutory yellow card too early in the game, um, how do you think they're going to do against Italy rather than the reactive Portugal? How do you think they'll hold yeah. up under under that? I mean, it's... It's interesting. Definitely. I mean, Italy feel a bit
2: more direct, particularly when they get players like, you know, Chiesa involved, uh, Berardi, Lorenzo Insigne. There's going to be a lot more sort of uh, opportunity for them to push Belgium back. And that's what they don't want. You know, I think there's a combined age of about, you know, touching the 90s in that back three. So, you know, it's... I thought largely on the whole they did well today, particularly yeah. when Portugal were just sort of chucking in crosses at the end. Yeah. There were some big headers from all three of them and I think you kind of need that experience in international football. Yeah. Um, I think experience can be overstated at times, but to just kind of see them through at the end there, I think they did a really good job. And actually, to be honest, I maybe a lot of people would have been underwhelmed by this game, but I enjoyed it. I yeah. thought it had a lot of... Uh, Sort of drama. It was, you know, end to end at times, but there was also that feeling of sustained pressure from Portugal, where you're like, were they, were they equalised? And then there were a few bust-ups, a few Pepe specials, um, <laughs> you know. And that was just the, the needle you know? was real here. The you,
1: yeah, like yeah, yeah. Portugal, the, the Portuguese manager had called this a, a cup final, and in a sense, it, it certainly was for them because they knew this was this was it. This was it and for Belgium, it's a it is their golden generation. If they don't do it in this tournament, these guys may never do it. Lee Dixon said they there's 1700 caps on the pitch between both sides. I mean, just think of what that means. That's nearly, I didn't do the math, but just to pull a number out of my butt, that might be something like 70 or 80 caps on average per player on, yeah. on the pitch. That is astounding. Um. In, so like it's kind of a couple of teams, golden generation. I mean, the, all right, there's a few few younger players on the Portuguese side, um, yeah. But but basically, this is it for half of the Portuguese team and for most of the Belgian team in terms of sure. having a chance of going all the way. So yeah, and
2: actually it was it was quite interesting as well because this is the the first time that they've failed to reach the quarterfinals of the European Championship. So. Uh-huh um it's quite a damning stat considering they were the holders so which is you know it's a pretty dismal defense for for Fernando Santos and his and his side so but yeah in general I was really disappointed I I kind of felt that like they had they sort of had another level to go up yeah um and they kind of found the formula towards the end of the group stages mm. but just really underwhelming uh, I don't think they took any game by the scruff of the neck and yeah all that talent in the squad I think it was just criminally misused and I think there will be a lot of questions asked uh, when they finally when the dust settles back home
1: Yeah Uh, and I agree with you it was a bit of a kind of a bit of a chess match to begin with Um, but a really interesting game I think for the non-experts like myself if you can understand the premise of how a game plays out like Martinez had said that Belgium will have to be very patient in this game, and I'm like, hang on. Against Portugal, that's two very patient sides. This is this is going to be interesting in the sense that it could take a, it could be a slow burner, could take a while while to build. But it ended up entirely ding dong for the last 20 minutes. I like you. I really enjoyed this game, but if you understand the premise, uh, like if I could actually understand chess, it'd probably be a thrilling sport. But I don't. This I kind of understood the premise of this game, and it kind of played played out uh, in that slow burning, kind of wrestling with each other, trying to get you know like wrestlers trying to get trying to get the hold or in a yeah yeah
2: for sure yeah yeah
1: and you're just trying to get that and then it only really kicks off when the guy gets the hold and then the other guy's fighting against the hold on him. You see it in in judo, you see it in wrestling, and it, it felt like th- these two teams were grappling in the first half. And then there's the, you always need the goal to break a wide open. And then there was the uh, Thorsten hazard goal. So um, you, you hint, hinted and intimated at the Italian game. Maybe we should jump into the Italian game. Cause uh, there's a kind of a, a, thread through from, from that to uh, mm-hmm. who's going to play them next time around and Belgium. So uh, that game was yesterday. So for me, it's yeah. turned a little murkiness. I do remember it was bloody great. And, you know, we went on to added extra time when the thing really cracked open. No golden goal, uh, golden goal required, but um, I guess my my takeaway from the Italy ga- game was overall it was a great tie. Italy looked really good, but looked like without the goal, you started to question how good they were. And then suddenly, in the added time, they added those two goals. They brought on Chiesa. And, of course, that, that changed everything, but what did you take from the Italy game and uh, where, where does that leave us going forward for the Belgium-Italy tie? Yeah,
2: I mean, I was actually watching with, a, with an Italian colleague of mine and he was a kind of a bag of nerves, especially because Austria seemed to, to grow into the game as, as things went on and especially with the, the disallowed do goal. Hand,
1: does he do a lot of hand gestures? Oh, he
2: does—he does the lot, the gestures, <laughs> the swearing. You know, it was—I had the full show, uh, which I enjoyed because I was just laughing at him the whole time.
1: But it's kind of um, like smellorama at the movies. They should, be, like, when you're watching an Italy game, they should provide an Italian to sit on the sofa with you so you can get like the full effect, the full. That's TV, it, and the glasses. Yeah, yeah, and
2: I had exactly that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I said as soon as it went to extra time, I said, "Don't worry, mate, you've got this." Because I looked at the benches. And I saw the quality that Italy had and I maybe didn't see the quality that Austria had. Yeah. And, you know, when you can bring on guys like Federico Chiesa, uh, Pessina is a really interesting midfielder, kind of number eight, Aaron Ramsey, late runs into the box kind of player. Um. And yeah, that was the quality they needed and it, and it made the difference because, you know, that was quite a slog um, for them to get there. And obviously they had the late scare with the goal, from Kalicic so you know I I thought it was a really good game I thought Italy looked sort of their their accomplished selves but as you mentioned they did just lack that kind of cutting edge in the final third and then Austria I thought that was their best performance of the whole tournament actually because they'd been quite stale up Mm. to then Um, but I thought they really showed a lot of confidence and belief in themselves and yeah, really good game of football. And, and Italy sort of march on with their 31 game on beat and run now, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, and they'll slowly be fancying themselves the further they get because they look a really good side.
1: Yeah, it wasn't until that added extra time you saw a separation between the two sides. I mean, just Italy took a step forward and
0: mm-hmm. Austria
1: couldn't match them, maybe even took a little step back. They, they looked like they'd uh, shot their bull to that stage i don't know if that's the same um so any uh, how do you feel this like italy are must clearly be the favorites based on the these the two games we've just seen but if we take a step back uh coming into this tournament um i guess they would have been regarded maybe fairly equally with belgium a little bit ahead in terms of Favoritism, maybe I got that wrong,
2: but I mean, in terms of their who's the favorite, I think they're pretty evenly matched. Yeah. Um, like you said, based on recent form, I think Italy just have the edge, and particularly Belgium have a couple of interesting, uh, sort of guys on the on the injury table. Mm. Like you said, De Bruyne, Eden Hazard, they'll definitely be wrapping them up in in bubble wrap. Yeah. Our cotton wool I think is is the correct phrase so you know just small things like that can really make the difference but I think Italy you know they, they just seem to have a, a, an extra boost that they can get on I mean Chiesa if you've just played 90 minutes you don't want this guy anywhere near you I mean he's relentless and yeah. um, you know just that extra injection of quality can can really make the difference so I think for me I'm just having Italy ahead but only just because I think Belgium are very accomplished they've been here they've worn the t-shirt they've got a lot of good players lukaku even though he didn't score today was was in really good form so um you, you can never discount them but I've, in my pecking order i've just got italy edging them
1: yeah same i think like they both have loads of talent i think what i've seen with the italy is them playing the ha- with the hand break off being a like belgium have more gears that but it's not clear to me having watched them that they can get up through the gears. Uh, they haven't really done it yet. They haven't really gone hell for leather and it all be cohesive and hang together. And we've seen Italy fully go for it, uh, throw away the handbrake and like just play their full-on football uh, at times. It doesn't guarantee anything. But to me, they've shown they can go up and down the gears and Belgium have shown us their gear stick but they haven't got into 5th or 6th, and they may never. So um, I think the talent levels are pretty equally matched. I think tactically, Belgium might be uh, well-positioned to kind of hold Italy at bay, uh, given their structure, given the the three- or five-man defence, and then hitting them with the wing-backs. So it, they could make it a cagier affair than Italy wanted. It'll be close. But for me, I, I, I've seen Italy... Uh, kind of uh, give it the full enchilada and and kind of use every square of the pitch as an attacking threat and i haven't yet seen belgium show they can they can go through all the gears i guess that's my my assessment of the two of them they're pretty equally matched but italy shows they've they they can open up the throttle
2: yeah yeah for sure um but yeah we'll see i'm looking forward to it because it looks like a, a good match up on paper so Um, definitely not going to complain if those two uh, face each other
1: Yeah, so we left um, the other game behind Um, we saw um, Holland versus uh, the Czechs Um, and uh, it it felt a kind of similar game, obviously Holland again they had the three at the back, maybe it's a lowlands thing at the moment, playing with the wings uh relying heavily on the blint wing um and i think they can be kicking themselves because they were somewhat the protagonists in this but they didn't do enough and then the red card which as soon as i saw it uh, i don't know my arsenal gene kicked in and i I demanded it be a red card because the whole luis last man blah 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 um and it seemed like a red card with me. Were you okay to that with that decision, given how monumental yeah. it was? I, as soon as no, he no, went I over to look at the screen, I'm like, "He's, he's gone. For me, it was a clear red card. I mean, yeah. first of all,
2: what do you learn when you're seven years old? Don't let the ball bounce. And he lets the ball bounce, and then Schick just kind of muscles him in a bit. And there was just total panic on on Dilict. You could see it. He was kind of falling over. Um, and then i think whether it was instinct or something a bit more calculated it was a clear handball and he, you know it's a red card every single day of the week um and yeah like you said as soon as he went over to the screen it was clear that he was going to send him off and for me that was the correct decision
1: yeah um and like it's probably a wonky order to look at the game but then immediately immediately after that dave to make a decision on uh structure of how they're going to play with 10 men and often you see uh that being the thing that gets a team to play more directly because they'd been a bit cagey in their build-up i felt uh holland i mean it's their way it's the dutch way possession using the three at the back echoes of louis van hal with blint um Uh, and maybe that's an overstatement hitting them with the wing backs a couple of forwards up front with Malin and Depay but his choice was to take off uh, Malin and bring Mm -hmm. on uh, what was it Promise yeah Quincy uh, Promise yeah yeah, and then he seemed to stick with a kind of a 3-5 of the back kind of structure for a little while I mean he's been described as the worst (laughs) manager in Premier League history by another arch villain uh, Jose Mourinho what a sport, eh? I mean, you can watch other sports and they're all very polite and professional and stuff. We've taken the other route. We say interesting things about each other in our sport. Um, <clears throat> how did you feel about the managing of the deficit once they went down, man, which, uh, again, a wonky order, but, like, the whole game changes around this red card and the choices made thereafter?
2: Yeah, I really didn't expect him to bring on Quincy promise, That's for sure. Um, I thought he would bring on Veghorst. Yeah, just to give them a bit of a target up front, and even for defensive set pieces, you know, he's a a big weapon in, in both boxes. So I was really surprised um, he didn't bring he, on. Vekhorst. He did
1: eventually bring him on, right? He brought him on. He did, in yeah, eighty did, minutes yeah. or something. But by then, I think there were too two late. <laughs> down, yeah, yeah, it was too late.
2: And for me, in that moment, I think the Czechs kind of grew into it. I mean, I will say the Netherlands have been a really good watch. Yeah. Um, during the whole the whole tournament actually They've surprised me, I've really enjoyed watching them But today everything kind of seemed leggy and stiff yeah. And particularly Wijnaldum, I thought he just looked knackered um, And yeah. they gave him that sort of free roll They gave him the game. Willock roll <laughs> Exactly, and he just, I think he was completely gassed Which is a shame because he'd been one of their best players So for me, it was kind of an off day for everybody, apart from the, the one-man machine, uh, Denzel Dumfries, who tried his best again to to who, do everything he could. I've
1: never really noticed him before this tournament, but now every time I see him, I'm like, ooh, he's he's very interesting. Uh, he's, he's I mean, he's, he's been around. Than he, yeah,
2: but, yeah he's, uh, he's been around. Arsenal been linked with him a couple of times, actually, but
1: yeah.
2: um, he's he's been at PSV for a little while now, and I'm sure someone will... Someone will pay for him off the back of this tournament.
1: Yeah, he puts in a good cross. He uh, he asks questions, uh, and he's always a factor. Um, Van anhalt on the other wing, and that seemed to be the way of progressing. I guess they were okay, like they were the pro- protagonists in this match until the red card. But I think. Uh the Czech Republic, which for me had very much uh David Moy's vibes. Yes, it had a couple of his players, but it also had this playing it up the wings, uh banging in really good crosses into dangerous areas while your big lads, who's a chick, uh mm-hmm. Barak and uh Suchek in particular get it up into the box in numbers, kind of doing the cattle, Fellaini kind of thing, and now his uh Antonio has Sue kind of thing. Of course, you've got Sue Fowl over at uh, right wing, but it did kind of have West Ham vibes, a kind of a pragmatic approach, but they were causing them plenty of problems and maybe <clears throat> creating the more dangerous chances, even before the red card. And I thought they, um, so I guess there's the discussion. How, how did you feel? They were, cause they're, they're going on and they're going to play what Denmark in the next round. So there's, they continue to be a factor. And I thought they, they're building in strength and confidence as they go along. So before the red card, how did you think they were doing?
2: I mean, before the red card, I kind of felt like they were just doing what they'd been doing the whole tournament, which was being very compact, very solid. Um, I will give them a lot of praise, actually, because I think as a team, their structure is excellent. I think mm-hmm. they're all excellently coached. There's nobody kind of flying out of position. They all know who their men are. They're all covering the right zones. I mean, today, uh, Hollis did a an incredible job on Wijnaldum. Really, really good yeah. job. Um, you know, it's not easy to mark someone with so much energy and freedom, but he he stuck to him like a rash. Um, and then all of a sudden, you just see him pop up in the box a couple of times. It's just like, how do yeah. you still have the energy to do this? You know. And, and um, in fact,
1: that's interesting because wasn't it uh, Hollis? who took the ball off uh, Gigi Wijnaldum's toe for the goal and the cutback.
2: Yes, it was indeed, yeah. And, you know, it was just a really good performance from all of them. I think they deserve a lot of credit for their defensive stability. I think in particular, Chalustka and Kallas have been really good at the back, so solid. Um, and obviously when they needed a touch of quality up front, Patrick mm-hmm. Schick was there to, to put one in the back of the net. And then, you know, they just... A solid solid team and even if they might not possess some of the x-factor that the others do you know when the you're stronger than the sum of your parts in international football you can kind of go anywhere and yeah. you know they'll they'll be very happy with their day's work today
1: yeah there was a strong emergent property from this lineup beyond the sum of their parts holish uh is neither slavia prague guy we played against yeah he is in the yeah. euros um mm-hmm uh like he's just a bit of a factor. And like you talked about the coaching, the management, the structure. Like that's kind of what I mean with this do you, do you see a kind of a David Moysishness about them? The practical thing i can the I can, yeah. I can
2: see that um but you know, that um just you kind of they to their strengths which playing to their strengths is yeah. what you want really is any side want I mean not every everybody has to be uh Two thousand eleven Barcelona, you know, you yeah. just kind of take what you have and, and play to those strengths. So got no issue with that at all and I think they've been quite refreshing honestly.
1: Very good. Um so we were gonna keep it short and tight. Um mm-hmm. any any major reflections for the next rounds in these ties? Who do you fancy at the moment between say Denmark, uh, Czech the Czech Republic?
2: I mean, for me I've just sort of grown so fond of yeah. of Denmark and everything that they're doing I mean yeah to, I, I was with you
1: there to- till I heard about that guy and having his watch stolen and the watch being worth 80k <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Pastor> Goldberg, Yeah, <laughs> it's um, funny how a small detail is like well you got to do something with your money but still it takes yeah. you out of the kind of the uh it spoils the narrative a little bit. They just said should have just said his watch, which he really cared about, was stolen. Not. Yeah. His, it, but anyway, yes. No, I'm with you. Uh, I'll, I'll manage to forget that before we watch them again. You, you can't get away from the Denmark story. It's. It seems like uh, they could be the the team that gets that just goes on a roll all the way. I mean, they look. They play really good football now too. So they do they do yeah
2: uh, i would love them to go all the way because i think they're a really smart side i mean they did a small tactical change yesterday to keep Bale quiet after his after his good start and i think they're just really intelligent they've got a lot of good players i think Mikhail Damsgaard in particular has been a, a real bright spark for them in in the absence of uh christian erickson uh sorry this is like my- motorbike racing outside apparently if you can hear that you, come um, on
1: admit it. you you're manscaping too <laughs> oh, that was supposed to be my line for afterwards
2: oh, okay um, my commission my commission uh yeah um so yeah i would really love them to to go through because i think they're they're playing great stuff i really like a lot of their players and it's just an incredible story um after everything that's happened so i mean momentum is a hell of a drug as they as they say, maybe not PED kind of drug, but, you know, everything yeah. seems to be going their way. So, unfortunately for Wales, their journey ended uh, quite emphatically. Um, but I think in terms of maybe what most were expecting, I think to get out of the groups was, was impressive enough for them. So,
1: Yeah, and on the day, I mean, uh, you can't really argue with Denmark deserving it. And no, not
2: at all, not at all. And
1: yeah. when you look back on tournaments... Um, you know, the the Denmark story, you, you'd want, I, you know, do you want them to win the whole tournament? Well, I wouldn't go that far, but you want them to have a heck of a story that carries through it that kind of is one of the defining threads. And so on we go to the next round. And look, um, it it could be, uh, it, it's quite a nicely balanced tie in terms of the strengths of the teams, Denmark and the Czech Republic, and styles a little bit too, because Denmark do seem to be willing to take on the the role of possession and and going at the opponent and, and uh, play to that strength. And the Czech Republic, um, a little bit more reactive, more of a counter, kind of use the wings, bang in some crosses. I think it'll be a nicely balanced game and they might kind of play, play off each other quite well for a tie. So um, they'll both give it their all, that's for sure
2: yeah for sure um i think it could be a nice clash of styles and again it's another really interesting tie i think uh, we've been been really lucky actually throughout this tournament that we've had not a lot of uh, sort of dud games um i've really enjoyed the whole thing
1: yeah same so uh yeah sets up two interesting ties um i think we'll wrap it up there i appreciate it and we'll We'll have you back on tomorrow after a couple more g- good games tomorrow. Who we got coming up next? We got. Spain, uh, Croatia. Yep. Okay. And France, Switzerland, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, should be some yeah. good stuff. So uh, we'll all hear you tomorrow, Phil. Appreciate it again. And, no, no, uh, my pleasure, thank you. Yeah. Have a great one. Thanks, everybody. You Bye. too. Cheers. Bye.